I know I say this all the time. I love that. It's like my new walk-up song or something like that. Hey, uh, it was about three and a half years ago, and uh, I got a phone call from Matt, the, uh, the pastor over at the Met, and his question was, are you ready now to consider coming back to Texas? And, uh, you know, you got to understand, we, we love the church that we were at in Florida. Uh, my wife loved what she was doing. My daughter and her husband, Isaiah, and our grandchild, Willow, at the time, we only had one uh, granddaughter at the time, and, and uh, they were there in, in the same town as us. Uh, our one son was in college. Our other son had just graduated high school, and the love of his life, who he's now married to, was there in that town. Our, other, our, our, our fourth child, Seth, was a sophomore in high school. There was no reason there was absolutely no reason to go. There was no reason to leave. We, we loved where we were. We loved doing it. So why in the world would I go to my wife and say, honey, I think we need to pray about this? Because, see, there were plenty of other times, there were other opportunities, because I had told Matt multiple times, no. I had told other churches that would call, no. I mean, I'm honored, thank you, but, but no. But why, why this time? Because reality was it was inconvenient. It didn't, it didn't fit into what I thought would be the right time or the right plan or, or that kind of thing. So then the question becomes, why pray? Because there were other times that I didn't feel the need to pray. I just knew it wasn't the right time, and I had peace about saying no. But this time, I felt like we needed to pray. See, there are lots of times that Maybe, I don't know if you're this way, but a lot of times I'll get emails or I'll get text messages and, uh, and, and people are asking, hey, would you please pray, right? It could be a health issue. It could be a marriage issue. It could be a financial issue. It could be a job issue. It could be a, a, a family thing. It could be, you know, stuff going on with their children, but they're asking for prayer. And the reality is, and probably we're all this way, but when you boil it all down, what we're really asking for in those moments, hey, will you please pray and ask God to fix my problem, right? That's usually what we're asking. God, will you please fix my problem. God, will you please give me a better marriage? Would you please fix or bring in more money? Would you give me a better job? Would you, you know, would you be able to heal this health issue? Will you please get a hold of my child's heart and bring about this change? God, will you please fix the problem? But here's the question. What if we don't pray? Does that mean you won't get healed? What if we don't pray? Does that mean the marriage doesn't get better if you don't pray about it? If you don't pray, does that mean you won't pass your test or find your keys? Right? I mean, if we don't pray, does that mean that God is not going to answer our prayers? How does praying in faith work? Because if God's going to do what God's going to do, why pray? I mean, is it really, when you boil it back, when you really kind of 
pull it all back here and you boil it all down, is, it, is, is prayer really just some insignificant spiritual exercise that makes us feel good and hopefully that there's a higher power out there doing something in our favor? Because many can feel very discouraged when we pray and we pray and we trust God and then God says no. So the question is, why pray? If you have your Bibles, open up with me to 1 John chapter 5. And as you're turning there, uh, I just want you to know, one, I'm so glad that you guys are here. It's so good to have you. I'm so glad you're listening online. And, And again, as, as we're continued in this Grounded series, let me just give you a little bit of backdrop, especially if you're a guest. I just want to be able to catch you up to speed, is that we've been talking about if your faith, right, if my faith is dependent or grounded or rooted in my ability to accurately interpret the circumstances of life, if my faith is, is rooted in my ability to accurately interpret the circumstances of life, my faith will end up uprooted because we're terrible at interpreting life stuff. Because as soon as something bad happens and we think God should step in and stop it and he doesn't, we automatically assume usually that God is not good or possibly God doesn't even exist. Because I have an expectation, God, if I was you, if I was sitting in your chair and I saw this situation, I would step in and stop it. So why didn't you? So if you didn't, you must not be good or you might just not exist. And so again, we get back to then all of a sudden, if if my inability to, you know, interpret life, then I'm going to go to what I know well, which is either emotion or logic. And that will often determine what we believe. And so our faith gets uprooted. Our faith at times will even get shattered. And so again, the question is, you know, where is our faith grounded in? And we said that our faith needs to be rooted and grounded in Jesus and who he says he is and that he will always do what he's promised he will do. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. So our faith has to be grounded in the one who has an eternal perspective, who can see down through the corridors of time that, again, it's not left up to me to interpret life. It's based on what God says is true. That's what he says he's going to do, and my faith is in him and that he is who he says he is and that he will do what he's promised he will do. If God hasn't promised something, I can have hope. But if God has promised something, I can have faith because I can trust that he will do what he's promised he will do. And so the big question is, what role or what relationship, if you will, does prayer and faith have with one another. I mean, if God is truly in control and he can see down through the quarters of time and he has a plan and he's going to accomplish that plan, then is prayer this non-essential issue? Let's just, let's just take the, something significantly relevant to us. There's an election coming up. Surprise, surprise, right? This next week. And I'm going to take a wild guess. I'm going I'm to say I have a ton of confidence that there are a lot of people praying. And I'm even going to say I think there are a lot of people praying on both sides. 
And man, there are people that love Jesus that are praying, that, that are you know, praying for one candidate. And then there's people that are really praying that love Jesus that are praying for a different candidate. And here's my question. When your candidate doesn't win, does that mean the other candidate, the people that prayed had more faith than you? How do we, how do we handle that? How do we navigate this stuff? I, you know, especially if you're a parent of a teenager, I'm just going to give a quick uh, strong encouragement. Josh, our student pastor, and, and uh, Ryland Scott, another student pastor from Houston Northwest, got together and they did this video that I would strongly encourage you to go watch on YouTube. It's on the movement. You can, you can go watch it. I did. Uh, I thought they did a great job of talking like, how do we respond to this stuff as heavenly citizens? Like with that backdrop, how do we navigate these conversations and again, my question to you is, does prayer have any impact on the election? How do we pray according to the will of God? So let's look at it. First John chapter five, John gives us some insight on this topic, this conversation. First John five, let's uh, drop down to verse 14. He says, John says, this is the confidence. That Greek word literally means boldness, to, to honestly be straightforward. In other words, this frankness, right? So with boldness, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of them. So you're probably asking, so if I've got to pray according to God's will, how do I know what God's will is, right? Like, how do I know what the will of God is? Now, listen, I want you to hear this. The more you get to know God and the more you get to know his word, the more you're going to know his will. The more you get to know God, the more you get to know his word, the more you're going to get to know God's will. Let me ask you, is it God's will to forgive people who have hurt you? You don't even have to pray about it. You can know with certainty that it's God's will for you to forgive. Why do we know that? Because when we open God's word, he talks about forgiveness. He talks that we're, we're called. It's, he's, he's given us a command to forgive. Even Paul says, forgive as Christ has forgiven you. We're called to do it. It's a command. But we, we know it's the will of God. Now, we might need to pray, God, give me the strength and courage to work through this. But when I ask people, hey, have you forgiven? Well, I'm still praying about it. No, 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 no. It's not an option for you. It's really not up for discussion. You're called. doesn't mean you trust them, but it does mean you're called to forgive them. Why? Because it's part of the will of God. So God, I know it's your will that I forgive them. Give me the strength and the courage because I'm really hurt or I'm really disappointed or I'm really frustrated or I'm really angry. Or I'm really, whatever it is, but God, I know this is your will and I need, and I'm called to cancel the debt that they no longer owe me. Will you please Help me forgive them as you've forgiven me of so much. Like, it, you know it's God's will. What about serving? See, you don't even have to pray about it. 
Again, it's, it's, what I love about this is God's word tells us when we go, Jesus gave us the model of servant leadership. He came to serve and not be served. So we're called, if we're going to be like Christ, we're called to do the same thing. So our attitudes as followers of Jesus, we should be setting the standard. The world, the corporations should be coming to the church, looking at how the church inspires and motivates people to serve. And it should be like, hey, it's no big deal. We just do what Jesus did. And the world should be going, wow, how do you do that? Jesus. But when the church is struggling to find people to serve, again, what does that say? We are not listening. We're not obeying what God says to do. And so all of a sudden, when we do that, we okay. We know it's God's will. I'm called to serve. It's, I'm called to serve in my house. I'm called to serve in my church. I'm called to serve in my community. What does it look like for me to model the heart of Jesus? Now, what do I need to pray? God, I know it's your will for me to serve. Where do you want me to serve? What are the gifts, talents, and abilities that you've given me so I can maximize those for your kingdom? Like, what does that look like? In maybe different seasons of our lives, it looks different as far as the amount or the ability or the capacity that I'm able to give away. Same thing is true with giving. I don't need to pray, God, is it your will that I give back? No, no, no. God's already said that we're called to do that. What about being in biblical community? Every single one of us, I'm just going to tell you, God's word tells us that we're called to be in biblical community with one another. I don't even need to pray about it. Where do I need to pray? I need to pray, God, I know that you've called me to be in community with other believers. I need that. As iron sharpens iron, I, I need that. So God, will you help me? This is what I pray. God, will you help me figure out which group I need to get in? What night? Will you help work out my schedule? Lord, will you help us work out the child care situation? Lord, would you, right? Like those things, God, I need you to take care of, but I know if it's a part of your will that you've called me to this. See, but there are other things that we don't know what God's will is. Like, who do you marry? What job should you take? Should you take this job? Should you take that? Should I stay in Florida? Should I come to Texas? God doesn't say in his word exactly what that is. So God, how do I navigate this stuff? Should I get this truck or should I get this car? Should I do this? Should I do that? Like there are certain things in scripture. And so when it comes to things that we don't know, all of a sudden we, we should be finding ourselves praying, God, I don't know what your will or what your plan is. So not my will, but yours be done. But do you know why we struggle? Think about it. Do you know why we struggle to pray according to his will? Here's why. Because when we pray according to God's will, when we pray, God, your will be done, who's in control at that moment? <laughs> God and not us. And we struggle with that. We struggle giving over control. We struggle asking. We struggle pursuing, God, what you want versus what I want. Notice that when, thing, when, when the bottom falls out, when things get really hard, when, when things are incredibly difficult and you know things are out of control or, or they're, they're not in your ability to take care of it, we have no problems going to pray, right? 
Oh, God, please get me out of this situation. Or, oh, God, please heal my loved one. Or, oh, God, please, whatever it is. We have no problem in those moments going to God and asking because we know in those moments we're not in control, as if we really ever were. But it's in those moments we have no problems going, God, please bail me out. Please fix this. But we struggle with giving up control, which creates this tug of war with God, where you grab the rope, you have your wish, wants, and desires. God has his plans, his, you know, his, his will, his agenda. And all of a sudden, we get, go back and forth with God. We're trying to get him to our side of the understanding of the prayer requests. Now, let me just ask you a question. I want you to be brutally honest. You, you actually... I'm going to encourage you. Don't even say it out loud, <laughs> but uh, I want you to be brutally honest. If one of your kids, if one of your kids came up to you and asked, hey, mom, hey, dad, why do I always have to do what you ask? Like, seriously. Like, why, why do we always have to do what you want? Why, why can't you just do what I want? Now, come on. What would you say? Go to your room, right? You know, but seriously, what, what would you say? In that moment, seriously, when your kids goes, why do we always have to do what you want? Why can't you just do what we want? In that moment, would you be like, wow, they're so incredibly mature. Look at the question that they're asking. Is that what you think? Of course not. See, in that moment, in that moment, you're thinking, who do you think you are? You're the child. I'm the parent. I have so much more knowledge and understanding as a grown adult, as a parent, than you do as a child. In that moment, come on, you're thinking how incredibly selfish how incredibly self-centered. And in that moment, your child is exposing their foolishness and selfishness and their immaturity. And the same is true about us. When our heart attitude is that way with God, God, why do I need to pray according to your will? I mean, if you're just going to do what you want to do, why even pray? Why do I always have to do what you want? Why can't you just give me what I want? See, it looks, looks a whole lot worse in our kids than it does in us, doesn't it? Right? And in these moments, we struggle to surrender and give over control to the one who deserves to always and is always in control. But we struggle with laying down the rope and trusting God. Look, just go back to verse 14 for a moment. And I want you to look at this. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, keep the verse up there. for Do you see the word faith anywhere in that verse? No, not at all. All right. But this is so important. Okay, I want, I, want, I want you to see this. John, 
when he's writing this, he says, if you're going to pray, pray according to God's will. And he says, and if, and if he does that, if you, if you do this, he's going to do it, right? God's going God's to do that. But Jesus tells us in Mark chapter 11 that we looked at, believe, right? Have faith. So the question is, John missed something. Like he forgot something. Like where's the faith part of all this? And here's what I want you to see. I want you to see this. Praying in faith that Jesus was talking about and Praying according to the will of God that John was talking about is the exact same. Praying in faith, praying according to God's will is the exact same. Remember, we said faith is trusting that God is who he says he is and that he is going to do what he's promised he will do. What's the promised he will do part? That's his will. And our faith is in his ability to do it. Faith is responding in obedience to what God initiates. Now, make sure, I, I want to make sure you don't miss this. The verse that we just looked at, the verse that we looked at does not limit what we can ask for. I've said, you can ask God anything you want. You can take any prayer request to him. This verse does not tell us that we can't pray for things. It just tells us what God is going to do. It doesn't limit you in your requests. You, you're, so if you're walking away going, well, man, I can't ask because I don't know if it's God's will or not. No, 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 no. It doesn't say if it's not according to God's will, you can't ask. He's just saying according to his will, he's going to do it. So if you want to know with certainty what God's going to do, his will. Can you still ask things that are outside that you're not sure? Absolutely. And you can have hope, but what you can have absolute confidence that God is 100% going to do is his will. I remember a, a number of years ago, uh, my wife and I had taken our oldest child, uh, Bree, to a, a college visit. And she wanted to go check out Liberty, and she had been accepted. And so we went up there to see if that's where... The Lord was going to take her and all that kind of stuff. And, and it was over the weekend. Uh, it was actually like a Thursday through Saturday. We had to be back Saturday night. And, um, and uh, my son Chase's birthday was during that time when we were gone. And, uh, and so we didn't get to celebrate him on that exact day. And so because of that, he was like, you know, Dad, are we going to do anything? And I said, buddy, absolutely we're going you know, we're, we're to celebrate your birthday. I don't want you worried about it. We're absolutely going to do it. And so all of a sudden, he starts asking, well, can we do this? And can we do that? And can we do it? Right? Like he was asking for all kinds of stuff. And this is what I told him. I said, Chase, listen, here's what I can't. I, I promise you, son, I promise you we will celebrate you for your birthday. I can't promise that we're going to do all the different things that you're asking of me. But I can assure you that my heart, my desire, my will as your dad is to have a time of celebration for your birthday. Now, here's this. Chase walked away from that conversation totally fine and confident that his father was going to keep his promise. It didn't mean that Chase had to limit what he was asking for. 
he was able, and he did, ask for a whole lot of stuff. (laughs) But he knew that his father would do what we were able and at that time capable of doing. Wasn't everything he asked for, but he knew he could trust his father to keep his word. See, we have permission to ask for anything. We can ask for anything, but we can only believe with certainty. That's the faith part. We can only believe with certainty that God is going to do what he's revealed that he's going to do, and we can have confidence that God will always keep his promises because he always has. So the question is, so why pray? And here's the answers I want to give you. I want to give you four things that I think is important to understand of why we pray. The first one is because we don't always know God's will. The reason we, one of the reasons we pray is because we don't always know God's will. As I mentioned before, there are certain things that we know from God's word that we know are his will, and we can pray that with confidence. And there are other times that we don't, and we take those things to the Lord because we need to know and understand, God, what is your plan? What is your will? Prayer is our way of casting our cares upon God and then trusting him. That's the faith part. Trusting that he cares for us. And like we looked at a couple weeks ago, and because a good father is going to give good gifts to his children, but it doesn't always mean the answer is yes to what we pray and ask for. We're called to pray because our heavenly father loves to hear from his children. He wants you to bring those requests. And in that, it's a reminder of how dependent we are on him. The second reason we pray is to get to know God better. It's to get to know God better. Come on, parents, let me ask you. Do you, uh, do you choose how to raise your kids based on your kids' requests? Well, just think about it. Do your kids ask, you know, say, hey, I would really like it if you would do this. You go, oh, okay, that's how we'll raise you. We'll just give you everything you want. Take the candy you got last night from trick-or-treating and just eat all of it. That's great. What else do you want, right? Like, you don't take your cues of how to raise them based on your kids' requests. You don't, you don't give your kids everything they want just because they ask for it. But again, as, as, as your kids get older, you want to create this dialogue with your children so that you get to know their hearts and they get to know yours. I'm telling you that Sue and I have had such a huge value to be transparent and vulnerable with our children as they were as they were getting older because we really wanted them to get to know our hearts and man we really wanted to get to know theirs. Like I wanted to know why my kids thought a certain way and why they felt a certain way and and what was going on and what they were wrestling with. And again, if I was wanting that from them, they also, and again, you have to use wisdom and you have to use discernment and topic of conversation depending on their age and all that kind of stuff. But again, you want to be able to know them and you want them to know you. And so there were lots of nights, lots of nights that I was exhausted and just wanted to go to bed. But instead, we stayed on the edge of the bed having conversations with our kids 
talking through all kinds of topics, talking through all kinds of issues, hurts, pains. And as you navigate these conversations, I'm just telling you, especially as they get older, I told you so is not going to work. I mean, you, you can get away with it as a dictator. But if you want to win the heart of your children, I told you so isn't always going to work. And again, it stifles getting to know them because here's the value for me. I wanted them to, I wanted them to understand why I valued certain things because I want them to value certain things. And if they leave my house not knowing how to discern and make good decisions, they're going to go off to college or go off and get married or go off into a career, and they're not going to have any grid of decision-making because all I told them was, I told you so. And so it was up to us to shape and mold their thinking as they're processing through stuff. But I wanted their heart to first respond in obedience. I remember uh, I was talking to my son, Bryce. He's our second child. He's a youth pastor in Idaho now. And, and uh, I remember uh, he was in high school and he had sent me a text message. And uh, he was asking me for something over a text. And it was a conversation that we had had before. And the previous answer was no. And so he sends me, a, you know, this text message asking, and I send back, I'm sorry, Bryce, but no. And shocker, he didn't like the answer, all right? And so, and one of the things that we told our kids was, hey, we want your answer. If you're talking to your mom, it's yes, ma'am. Or if it's me, yes, sir. And then if, you have a, if you're not clear, you don't understand why, you can ask, can I ask you why? Like that, uh, first answer is yes, sir. May I ask you why? And I said, in those moments, I might say, no, we're not gonna have this conversation now. Or yeah, I might, because I wanna help you think through and process and understand so that you can make, I don't want you to have to come to me for everything. I want you to be able to know what's right and what's best. And uh, so he says, you know, Dad, may I ask you why? And so I told him, I said, Bryce, and this is all for text. And I said, we've had this conversation before. And said, I said, let me reiterate what I've already told you before. Here's why. And I said, but son, I'd really appreciate it if you just trust me and accept my answer instead of just trying to get your way. And he sends a text back, yes, sir. And see, over the years, Bryce and hopefully, I think, all my kids, they've gotten to know Sue's heart, my heart, and then to know that as a father, I love them. Like, I don't want to keep them from the fun and the joys and the exciting things of life. Like, that's not my goal but there are just some things that they're not gonna understand or get that they're gonna have to learn to trust the heart of the Father. And that hopefully I've lived a little longer, have a little bit more wisdom, have a little bit more life experience, and in those moments, even though I don't like the answer, I'm gonna trust the love of the Father. Now, come on, parents, you get this. As a dad, as a mom, because in that moment, Bryce listened and submitted himself and obeyed, as a parent, 
in those moments, don't you just find yourself trying to figure out a way maybe for the next time to want to say yes? Like, like you want, when you see your heart, the heart of your child is obedient and submitted and surrendered, like, like you want to find a way to say yes, that's something good with your kids. Why? Because you appreciate the heart of the one who is asking. And is the posture of our heart the same with our Heavenly Father? And it's in this exchange with us, with God, that we get to know Him. And it's in this exchange or this interaction that we learn more about our Heavenly Father. Regardless of what God's gonna do, regardless of whether or not we know His will, we are going to get to know Him, which then builds trust. Make sense? The third thing is we live in a world, here's why we pray, we live in a world that needs to see the connection between what is happening and what God is doing. We, need to live, we live in a world where we need to see the connection between what's happening and what God is doing. Let me, let me just, uh, I got to get through this. Uh, so there's, remember the story with Jesus and Lazarus? And Jesus is coming up to the tomb, and I'm going to paraphrase this. Jesus is coming up to the tomb, and, and again, he kind of says, you know, Father, I, I, I don't need to pray this, but I'm going to pray this for everybody else's benefit, right? You kind of remember this story? Like, I'm going to pray this so that they see your power and your plan and your will. This is not about me. This is about you, and I'm here to draw connection to you. So what's he say? All of a sudden, he says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out, and everybody's like, wow. He is from God. See, Jesus saw his role as a connection to the Father. Because what the Father says for me to do, I'm going to do. And see, when you, when you have the opportunity, I'm in relationship with people that don't know Jesus, and, and I might tell them, I say, you know, they're sharing something with me, and I say, hey, you know, would, would you mind if I pray for you about this? They're like, yeah, sure, whatever, whatever it takes, you know, you can do whatever, you know, because they don't necessarily believe in God. And so they're like, cool, you do. But all of a sudden, when I follow back up with them and said, hey, I've been praying for you. How, how is that situation going? And see, I don't know the will of God in that situation. I don't know if they're going to be healed. I don't know if they're going to get the job. I don't know if their marriage is going to reconcile. I don't know any of those things, but I'm praying and asking God to do what God does best. And then all of a sudden, they're like, hey, thanks for even remembering. Yeah, this happened and guess what? In that moment, I'm trying to see the, them to see, hey, God answered this prayer. Do you see the connection? Do you see the connection? I had a next door neighbor for years. In fact, he texted me this morning because he's a Ravens fan and I'm a Steelers fan. And so we go back and forth for all these years. And, uh, and he was an agnostic. And so many times we'd have these conversations about this stuff. He eventually came to Christ. But so many times he would ask me to pray, and when stuff would happen, he's like, man, there is something to this prayer thing, isn't there? And he eventually saw his need for Jesus. But see, you get to play the role of connecting people to what God is doing, because you're surrounded by people every day that need to see the connection. And I have so many other things I want to say, but i got to get to this last one. Fourth thing, prayer. Here's why we pray. Fourth and last point, prayer changes us. Prayer changes us. I want to say this as part of the last point. Um, why did Jesus go to the garden and pray? 
Was it to figure out God's will? Like, did he not know if his will was to go to the cross? Like, God, show me if this is your will. No, no, that wasn't it. Why did Jesus go to the garden and spend time agonizing in prayer? Here's why. Because he needed spending time because he knew what the will of the Father was, and he needed to sink his human will up with the Father's will. And he knew, Lord, he could throw out the request, Lord, if there's any way to take this cup from me, and then he finishes where he needed to land, where he lines up. Father, not my will, but yours be done. See, prayer changes us. God doesn't need change, right? We don't have that ability to change the mind of God. God doesn't need to change. It's us that needs to change. Prayer is about changing our hearts, bringing our hearts and our minds into alignment with his. When we pray in faith and saying, God, I'm coming to you. I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that you're going to do what you've said you're going to do, that you're a God who keeps his promises. And so all of a sudden, when I pray in faith, I'm having the confidence in him that he is who he says he is. And he's going to do what he's promised to do. So it's prayer by faith that God brings us into alignment with his will. So if we think our prayers are a way to get God to do what we want, you've totally missed prayer. Prayer is our time to spend with the fathers that he aligns our hearts to his so that when we pray in faith, it's us getting our minds and our hearts connected to his plan, his power, his will, his agenda. It's changing us. When we realize we're not in control, when we let go of the tug of war rope and we stop arguing with God and we choose alignment with him, not my will yours be done. George Mueller, a famous missionary who fed thousands and thousands of orphans because he had prayed and asked God to provide for food. He said, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. Prayer is laying hold of God's willingness. And so my encouragement to you this morning is that you can take all the requests. You can take all of them to the Lord. God, I ask that you would please heal him. God, I would ask that you would please give me this job. Lord, I would ask that you would please let us have children. Lord, I would ask that you would give me a spouse. Lord, I would ask that you would bring the spouse back. Lord, I would ask that you would just give me more money. God, you know my desires. You know my wishes. You know what I want. But Lord, I'm going to choose not to argue with you anymore. I'm going to choose to trust you. And when we do that, in those moments, you get to experience the mercy and the grace of God. And here's the good news, and I'll finish. You and I do not have the power to change God. But through prayer and faith, you and I can be changed by God. And in that, accomplish his will. That's what it's all about. Let's pray. God, I thank you.
for your word. Lord, I thank you for the fact that prayer is not some insignificant spiritual exercise, that it's not about getting you to do what we want, but Lord, it's really about you getting our hearts and our minds aligned with what you want. And Lord, there's so many things that we can see that when we look at our children and we see responses or reactions and we think how childish or how foolish or how immature and oftentimes we have the same heart attitude with you. And as Bree even mentioned it earlier this morning that we would choose a heart attitude response of repentance. That we would choose to say, God, please forgive me where I've chosen to either keep you on the shelf or I've chosen to keep you at arm's distance, where I've chosen to want my will over your will because I really have the arrogance to think that what I want is really better. God, would you forgive me? Forgive us for that. Lord, as we head into an election week, these next couple days, Lord, we know your will is unity, not division. We know that you determine who sits on the throne. And the bottom line is no matter what man or woman ever sits in the role of president, you still are on the throne. And I trust you. And so God, whatever the things that are causing us anxiousness or worry, whether it's job-related, corona-related, country-related, family, marriage, kids, whatever it is, God, Give us the wisdom, give us the strength, give us the understanding to navigate the specific situations. And Lord, my, my trust, my faith is that every single day you'll give us exactly what we need, which is mercy and grace. God, thank you for being trustworthy. We love you so much in Jesus' name.